Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Today, the Justice Department has launched a task force to hold accountable Russian oligarchs and others who seek to evade U.S. sanctions. The United States has imposed sweeping economic countermeasures in response to Russia's unprovoked military invasion of Ukraine. The Justice Department will use all of its authorities to seize the assets of individuals and entities who violate these sanctions. We will leave no stone unturned in our efforts to investigate, arrest, and prosecute those whose criminal acts enable the Russian government to continue this unjust war. Let me be clear. If you violate our laws, we will hold you accountable. I just want to know who else that applies to, Attorney General Garland. I, I don't mind you going after Russian oligarchs when we're talking about war to try and get this to stop, but I, I this genocide, I'm only asking, who else does it apply to? So far, uh, Attorney General Garland, I, I see you go after two sets of people, Russian oligarchs, soccer moms. These are the two groups of people that I am witnessing you engage full assault on. Russian oligarchs guilty of war crimes and possibly genocide, and moms who drive Toyota Sienna minivans who have a question about their kid's homework assignment. These are the two groups. Good, uh, good on you. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're very focused, uh, Mr. Attorney General. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY, that's the number, 833-468-8669. Look, I've got plenty on the State of the Union. I know you've heard a lot about the State of the Union. I did speak with some members of Congress uh, about it. I spoke with uh, Representative Jackie Walorski. I spoke with Congressman Larry Bouchon, who's also a medical doctor. We got into that and and some conversations about the pricing of insulin and drugs in in general. Uh, uh, Senator Todd Young is scheduled to be with us to, to give his thoughts on the State of the Union. But did you see the story out of Texas? So Texas had a primary yesterday. And the Texas primary, you've got Greg Abbott, who's running for re-election as governor, going up against Beto O'Rourke. I don't don't even think I have the proper sound effect for Beto O'Rourke. Do I? Do I have... Oh, this this might work. Look at him. You can't win for president. You can't win for Senate. Welcome back. Might as well run for governor. Dreams for your ticket Welcome back. It's always good to see him in a political Same campaign. Honestly. Do you ever tire of seeing Beto O'Rourke losing? Nah. Me either. Or is it either? Makes no difference. I, I I assume that's the, the the best one I had. Do I have another one that would probably work for 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 Beto O'Rourke? Oh yeah, I do, I do, I do have one more that'll work for Beto O'Rourke. If you don't have the votes, you don't have the votes. <laughs> so, so there's that. But this story is out of Houston, and I don't know how this isn't one of the bigger stories in America right now. 
we're talking Ukraine. We're talking Russian invasion. We're talking about the the mental state of, of Vladimir Putin. We're talking about the markets. We're, we're covering it all, people. I got a whole thing on Major League Baseball. Have they just screwed up the season when when the NFL got the biggest kiss in the world and people are maybe back into sports after the disaster of the Olympics too? Maybe baseball is the normalcy they want and they're ruining it. I've got that story. A guy heads over to his polling place in Texas, right? So Greg Abbott wins the primary. Beto O'Rourke is going to be the Democratic challenger. Ken Paxton is wins his uh, primary. The the Henry Cuellar race, right? That's the Democrat who they were really, really trying to get a progressive to, to unseat him in the primary. There's now going to be a runoff. Democrats are unhappy that Henry Cuellar is noticing that the border's a problem and it's Joe Biden's damn fault. Oh, yeah, a lot going on. So this this guy goes to his polling place. And he's like, I, I'd like to vote, please, because I'm an American. And they're like, yes, you are. Uh, you, you can vote in the Democratic primary or... or, or... And that's it. Wait, what? Well, you can vote in the Democratic primary. But I'm a Republican. Oh, well, that's a problem. I I didn't understand what you said. What did you just say? Okay. Okay. With with this election, you can vote in any precinct. No, you said said the Republican side is not what? I don't have staff, so we are closed right now. So for the Democrat, I can vote Democrat? You can vote Democrat. But not Republican. Not Republican. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Thank you. Can we just stop for a moment and take that in? He's videotaping. This guy is videotaping a a, a poll worker. Am I to believe that it's all just a setup? It's all just a ruse? I, I I don't think that that's the case. He can't vote in the Republican primary because they don't have enough people. They only have enough people to work the Democrat side. So he starts, you know, tweeting that we simply are not being allowed to vote. They're not letting us vote. So it turns out, as he says it, there was a judge there. And he's trying to get information from the judge about who you call in order to get the machines uh, fixed. Now, the word judge, me, it, like there, I think in Texas someone is called a judge, but they're also like, like the town administrator. I think that's how it works in, in some of these areas. So the guy is asking, hey, can I, can I get a little help here? Who do I call? Um, and he won't answer. Number. I don't have a number. You're doing the job and you don't know the number where I can report this information. That's that's not, a, this is not happening? I'm over the Democratic Party. Okay, well, I'm asking you. If I was on this side voting over here, would you help me and give me the number? That's all I'm asking you for. Would you give me the number? So this so-called judge who admits that he voted for the Democratic Party gets up and walks away from this guy and won't help him, won't give him a number, doesn't want him to vote. I'm asking you, if I was on this side voting over here, would you help me and give me the number? That's all I'm asking you for. Would you give me the number? A number to report? If I was on this side voting, would you give me the number? 
It's a simple question, sir. I just want the number so I can report what's happening here. And Eddie Gonzalez told me that you can give me the number of whoever's presiding here. Is, can I have the number? Can anybody give me the number where I can report uh, what's happening? I need the number. Can anybody give me the number so I can? You don't have it? You don't want to give me the number, sir? Oh, wow. He's just standing there. Tries to walk away, he's just standing there. Now, should I note that the person who is uh, making the video as is described, is white, and the judge is black? Can we add a whole hate crime thing in here while we're at it? This is nuts. You you won't give a guy a number. They eventually, I think, got through to a... uh, uh, the sheriff's office and the sheriff's office gave him the number. You have to call the sheriff's office to get a phone number. The story blows my mind, blows my mind because it's, it's a great example of all you hear about is, Oh, look at how they're abusing the voter. Look how they're, they're suppressing the vote. That's not happening. It's not Happening. It doesn't matter how many times Joe Biden gets into his full bigoted self and wants to talk about how those horrible, terrible Republicans are suppressing the vote. They're not suppressing the vote. It's not happening. But I'll tell you what, things like this are happening. Right. And so that's why I'm coming up with this recent understanding that to abolish whiteness is to abolish white people. And that's very uncomfortable, perhaps, but it asks about our definitions of what race is and what racial justice might mean. Okay? To abolish whiteness is to abolish white people. And that is from a UC Berkeley professor. Uh, you, look, you send your kids to UC Berkeley at your own peril. You've learned it by now. You, you, want, you want to do that? You go live your life. I, I can't tell you what to do, but I can look at you like you are absolutely crazy. I honestly don't know which one is worse. Actually, um, keep trying to keep someone from voting is worse. That, that was it. We could have played what's more pathetic, but I think it was a clear, clear answer right there. This is going on. You know, we talk about the State of the Union. And, and uh, you know, here was, was Biden. And he's talking strong about, about uh, Ukraine. And, and it was bipartisan applause for that. But if you were to ask the, um, the Democrats over at MSNBC, they saw a glaring problem with the State of the Union and Joe Biden's approach easy to deal with for world leaders because he truly does believe that a lot of the rest of it was very classic joe biden he is a fundamentally bipartisan individual so the hits he didn't take i found interesting yep. he had an opportunity as you said earlier nicole to take a really solid hit at republicans for having supported vladimir putin he didn't take it um this is one he didn't even hint at it there's a way to do that in a way that doesn't name names but Correct. that does shame the people who have held that position. that's right he steered clear he 
is a much higher-minded person than all of us who said he should do. <laughs> that he should do. Yeah. Correct. He did not mention the January 6th insurrection. Because if you want to talk about a profound hit to our democracy, there's nothing more profound than a violent physical attack on the very building he's standing in. That. Except for the violent physical attack on every taco shop in Minneapolis and every store owner and every business owner and every individual in Seattle and Portland and Indianapolis and Chicago and New York. Except for all that. They're mad at Joe Biden because he didn't take enough hits. He didn't attack enough. They want him to be the partisan. They want him to hate the Republican Party. These are people who would look at that video out of, out of Texas and someone being denied the ability to vote, and they'd be like, that's cool. That's, that, 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 that's cool by us. As long as, 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 long as it benefits us, that's, that's fine. No problem. No issue. They're happy about this. They are proud of this. Man, what a disaster of a group. But this Houston story, I think, is, is, is massive. And the fact that it's not getting coverage, uh, that ain't going to work. That ain't going to work by me, uh, no how. Meanwhile, I've got more on Jen Psaki at the State of the Union. you, you got to hear how she's responding to some of the speech yesterday. I've got some from Congressman Larry Bouchon, who's a medical doctor, and uh, Major League Baseball has screwed the pooch. I've got those stories coming up. I'm Tony Katz. All right, so should I play the example of of Kamala Harris and how we we just have to be keeping like all eyes on her? It's so great. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's so good to be with you. I don't know which one is more insane. Uh, this Kamala Harris piece where she's she's on a radio show, maybe it's a podcast, and she's asked, you know, in layman's terms, can you explain what's going on in Ukraine? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure, I got you covered. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. She said that. Ukraine's a little country. Russia's a big country. Russia invaded Ukraine. So that's wrong. What childlike nonsense pablum is this? How can you, how is it possible that you can treat somebody like that? Right? I I was talking about this earlier. I'm like, it's just proof positive of her elitism and how she talks down to people. And someone said to me, what if that's the best she can do in explaining it? No, God, please, no, 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 no. OMG, are you kidding me right now? Ew, David. What if that's the best she can do? And I said, that's, man, that's, that is, that is rough. 
And so now we got to, this is not the first time where she talks like, like, like a ridiculous child. Totally unprepared. Totally, they're, they're, you have no faith that she could do the job whatsoever. And then you catch Chelsea Clinton on The View. I love the Broadway View. I could make it. Now, the last time you were here, well, you weren't really here. It was yes. Zoom. Zoom. And we were kind of commiserating over the challenges of the pandemic, mental health, kids being uh, not in school, uh, socialization, things that are kind of... Uh, you know, that are falling out of the way. But what do you, how do you feel like the re-entry is, especially on the heels of seeing the State of the Union with no masks? Oh, yeah. Are you feeling like normal is coming back? I mean, even just back there, I was like, do I hug? Do I not hug? Yeah. Like, I think we're all just having to navigate forward, you know, listening, of course, to our public health authorities and also what we think is the right answer for our families. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a two and a half year old who isn't vaccinated yet. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that is still a major factor for like how our family too. thinks yeah. about like where we're spending time uh, look it's it's your kid chelsea clinton and you can do anything you want first can we just to the view stop trying to make fetch happen it's not going to happen with chelsea clinton she is uninteresting she has not done anything of merit everything she has done is based off of her name and not based on her skill set She doesn't have a skill set. She can't do interviews as the interviewer. She can't do interviews as the interviewee. She offers zero. She is not royalty. She is spoilty. Secondly, it's your kid. You do anything you want. You really freaked out about your two-and-a-half-year-old getting COVID? Really? Like, not going out, like, like worried about where you go? I mean, unless it's to some kind of, you know, mosh pit concert, what are you worried about? I'm curious. I'm not saying you can't be. I want to understand what that fear is, where that comes from. You read the same news reports that I do. Why would you be worried about it for your two-and-a-half-year-old? It, does, it very much seems like it is something you say on TV to make people think that you're this caring mom than it is reality. Oh, I could be wrong. I could be absolutely wrong. But I, it struck me as just, you like to be afraid. I don't think you should like to be afraid so much. I don't think it's helpful. Major League Baseball, they're screwed. And Dennis Miller, he screws RT. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. So it seems that Major League Baseball has no interest in capitalizing on a country that is desperate for some more sports. They didn't watch the Olympics, not because they weren't interested in watching the skiing or anything else. They just didn't want to be supportive of China, and they just didn't want to be lectured to. They would actually, you're not seeing necessarily the worst ratings in the world on basketball. And football has been chef's kiss 
to ratings over those last few weeks because the playoffs were incredible. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's so good to be with you. The playoffs far outplayed the Super Bowl, which I thought was fair uh, at best. But Major League Baseball can't figure out how to get out of its own way. The owners, the players, can't get together for a deal for collective bargaining. The season is now starting to get shorter, and there's no end in sight. JMV joins us from 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis, Indiana. He hosts from 3 to 7 p.m. He is the guy we actually get to do race day coverage for the Indianapolis 500 together. And I want to understand you know, how much of this is self-inflicted wound versus a real issue but let's take a step back talk to me about where the real problem is uh right now the uh the owners don't really care with the season starts on time anyway because they don't make a great deal of money especially in the cold weather cities of major league baseball they don't make a great deal of money anyway thus if you're going to give something up and stand your ground as they are in negotiations um, and still take a swing at trying to take some of the money away from the players. Uh, the players had, and I get this strictly, Tony, from a player's angle here. They had, you know, a rock bottom, well, this is going to be our final offer type of thing before everybody walked out in Florida yesterday, and they they felt that, that maybe the owners maybe would come down to them, but frankly, from what I've been told, the owners really don't care if they get started on time, you know, in late March and early April because they don't make a a lot of money in late March and early April, April, especially in the cold weather cities. So that's kind of where we are right now. That's just another layer, Tony, of the negotiation tactics where really they don't give a crap about you. They don't. They don't, they don't care about. I mean, you can see that right now, by the way, they're taking this. But this is also, I mean, we're talking about money here. This is to create a new collective bargaining agreement. So is this how much the players get out of TV revenue? How, what What is the, the, the detail here? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's that. That's what. Now, I don't know the details of what the, 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 the drop, the rock bottom price tag was on what the players were willing to accept here. But, yeah, they, they feel that they want a further share in what is an escalating revenue. And, and, frankly, I thought you mentioned a couple of really important points. One is, you know, football. You can kind of see that in football. You don't see that as much, I don't think, in the NBA and certainly in Major League Baseball because football can do anything. I mean, right now here where I sit in Indianapolis, you've got for the final time here in Indy, you got the combine. And this didn't used to be monetized. But the NFL is so popular and has sustained that popularity where you can now monetize these guys running around in their underwear and doing calisthenics and that's exactly what they've done where major league baseball the nba has been incapable of finding that niche so yeah it's television revenue it's it's all a big part of it but frankly from what i've been told and again this is from strictly a player's angle this is more about the owners saying all right the heck with it we won't start on time we don't really care about this time of year more so than it is anything else you mentioned the combine, which is taking place. Actually, I mean, a stone's throw from us in, in Indianapolis. Did they sell a, I mean, the tickets were free, actually. Yeah. Fans could actually watch what's happening. Was it 100,000 tickets? Crazy, man. I mean, I don't know if it was that much. I don't know what number it was, but it is I crazy. think I'm right on. I think yeah. I'm right on with 100K. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, I go down there and do stuff. We talk to folks. I just actually got off the phone with talking to Chris Sims, who does NBC and Football Night in America. And, you know, I, I, listen, I know that I do a show out of Indy, and everybody's always going to be pro. Indy's a great place. I wish it was still here. But for the most part, 
part, people do wish it was still here because everything is so easy. But we knew this was coming when they built the epicenter of the NFL there near Inglewood, California, in Southern California. Knew this was coming, and it's going to go there. And other than maybe Dallas, a couple of other cities, we probably will not see this combine back here again. And, Tony, what's interesting about it, I mean, we have seen it through its very early baby stages in which, you know, nobody really – paid attention to it to now where everybody cares about it and you've got radio stations coming in and everybody comes in um it is kind of sad that it's going to go away i don't know how much of a revenue builder it was all in all for downtown and you know those places restaurants and bars i'm sure it did give them a kick which has always been necessary certainly but yeah it's sad it's going to be sad to see it go even if you really didn't directly get involved you, with it you don't think year. indy gets to keep it the the pull from sofi stadium from Cronky no. or the owner of the rams is no. too much yeah i don't i don't think it's ever going to be back here again tony it's never going to be back here and i i, I hate to say this too because the the Super Bowl here, what, in, in 2012, was one of the, the best of all time. It's never going to be back here either unless they decide to build a new stadium because that's the criteria now. And now you're going to have, I think, and this is just my opinion, Tony, you're going to have L.A. and SoFi is going to be like at least on a five-year loop where it gets it every five years further down the road. Now you have Vegas involved. You have new stadiums involved. with You know, you got Glendale, Arizona is always going to be there. Miami's always going to be there. Uh, there's just going to be way too much competition. Uh, the Super Bowl will not be back in my lifetime, whether that's tomorrow or 30 years from right now. Man, how negative are you? I'm trying not to be, Tony. I'm trying no, you're, not you're to be. You're failing like a I am, mother. I am. I'm normally incredibly positive. I mean, I'm right here right now. I'm look. I'm in studio for the first time talking to you in a long time. You brought up to 500. I should be positive, yet I am not. Talking to JMV and. <laughs> Get your volume ready because it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's just too uplifting. You're gonna need something to bring you down. Um, just uh, you talk about the owners not caring if they start on time. That's right. different than the owners not caring if they start. Right. So how far in Major League Baseball? How far can this go with the owners saying this is our price and the players saying this is the price we want? And will you see baseball in 2022? I think you you will. I don't think this is going to be a case where it just disappeared in 1994 and didn't come back. And, and basically, that that is one of the roots of all this right now, how that went and how people still, from that point to today, view Major League Baseball. Now, I think that April, the month of April in its entirety, Tony, I think that is in jeopardy. Uh, but at some point, they will be back. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the fan reaction once they get back. I mean, it really will because you got people going through a lot, have been through a lot, and last thing they want to see would be millionaires fighting with billionaires over a huge piece of the pie. They just want to see guys hit home runs and guys strike other guys out, and all this crap is going to be lost on a bunch of folks, and we'll see if they, they are true to their words or they say in social media, hey, I'm done with baseball, it's over, I'm never going to watch another game, or if they do trickle back. But I would say that the month of April in its entirety, Tony, is in jeopardy. That is uh, JMV. He is on uh, the fan in Indianapolis from three to seven uh, p.m. You, you need can any check other him uplifting, uh, other uplifting dry dialogue for me right now? Oh God, no! I think we're Anybody done. Anything? I think I think we've experienced everything uh, that you have to offer in in making us <laughs> yeah. us feel better. You are like the Viagra of good news. It's oh. Just everything is up, up, up. Now that you listen, I'll take that. 
I'll take the whole Viagra of good news right there. I'll yeah, take well, that and was... run with it. Hey, by the way, I can't wait. You know, we're not that far away from doing a pre-race show together. For the Indianapolis 500-mile race. Getting that old spark back together again. That's Getting always the band back together, man. Yeah. It's going to be good stuff. It, it's going to be good. Yeah, we're like, oh, God, it's yeah. March. Yeah. We're two months away. Two months away, buddy. Two, two months, months away. We can do that. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready if you're ready. Hot diggity. <laughs> More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. We've come a long way from where we began. So earlier today, I spoke to Congressman Larry Bouchon. He's a medical doctor. He represents the 8th District of Indiana. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. He was there to watch the State of the Union, and I wanted to get his take as a medical doctor, as a member of Congress, what you heard from Joe Biden. How do you think that connects not only with your constituents, but with Americans? Well, first of all, the first part of the speech, talking about the resilience uh, of the Ukrainian people, um, I appreciated that because the Ukrainian people are fighting hard for their own country. The part that about all the assistance we're providing them, I think, is a little too little too late. Look, no one wants American troops in the Ukraine. They're not a NATO member. But we've been telling the administration for months that they needed to do the things to make sure the Ukrainian people could defend themselves. So that was not done. And now you see what's happening. Secondly, the second part of the speech was a liberal wish list. Tony, they just don't get it about the economy. They don't get that massive amounts of government spending has added to our inflation problems. Um, they're not doing anything really on that. In fact, the president talked about doubling down with more and more programs, more and more money. So uh, I was disappointed completely by the second part of the speech. It's just more liberal wish list stuff. Uh, you know, the Democrats stood and applauded. But uh, the reality is, is that uh, the president's just off base on their policy and the american people know it is approval ratings down around 30 percent i wanted to get specifically some of your thoughts as the president is discussing the price of insulin we, we know that you're a medical doctor we know that pre then president trump worked on lowering uh the price uh, of insulin yet here it is coming up again and he starts setting a cap it should be 30 i think he said 35 dollars should be 35 dollars uh to get insulin because it only costs you know x number of dollars uh, to 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 make as you see it, what is the insulin issue? What is the issue with, with the cost? And is the president uh, in, you know, engaging something new or is this a rehash of something that President Trump already did and he rescinded? Well, let me just say this. The price of insulin is outrageous. And uh, I think you'll see everyone in Washington want to get the cost of prescription drugs down. The, the problem, Tony, is the supply, the whole supply chain, including a group of people called pharmacy benefit managers and the president president trump tried to address that through what was called the rebate rule and it didn't make it through for a variety of reasons so it's a complicated problem um, to solve but the reality is is i think honestly uh, the, the president last night is is correct we need to do something about prescription drug prices uh, but it's a very, it's a complicated problem that has to do with the, with the insurance plans, with what are called pharmacy benefit managers, which and uh, this is something we've been trying to address. And unfortunately, at this point, Washington D.C. neither party really has been able to uh, solve the problem. So, I'm I want to get drug prices down. Here's another part of the problem: we passed three solid bills out of the Energy and Commerce Committee, my committee, 
uh, the last Congress, and Miss Pelosi brought him to the floor attached to a bunch of partisan stuff that she knew wouldn't get through the Senate. So um, the president is correct. We need to get the price of these things down. But it's not all the drug companies. It's not the pharmacies. It's the whole system of how we distribute and pay for medication in this country, and it needs to change. But in the in that conversation, people get into the idea of, well, that's government run health care. And uh, in speaking to you in the past, sir, I don't think that's something you approve of. No, I don't. And the fact of the matter is, when the president says he wants to price fix a medication, that's last night. That is the wrong approach. I'm saying he's identified the problem correctly. But the approach to have the United States uh, price fix and not uh, work through the, the free market and change some of the things that I know we can change of how we distribute uh, medication in this country is the right approach. So, you know, the Democrats want to just price fix everything in the United States. That's the wrong approach. Uh, that leads to problems with research and development uh, long term and access to medications. In France, they have access to about half the medicines we do here. Why? Because the government won't pay for it. We don't want that. That's the wrong approach. Talking to Congressman Larry Bouchon, the 8th District of Indiana. Uh, of course, Ukraine was a front and center subject, and certainly I agreed with you that that was probably the uh, the best part of his speech because there was a, a, a call it a unity conversation, uh, but it was certainly good for America to see because it is so rare these days, an agreement from Republicans and Democrats seemingly on the idea of supporting Ukraine. But we have not determined what that support means. Uh, the president said that we will not see troops in Ukraine. Congressman, are we going to see U.S. troops in Ukraine as Russia continues to bomb cities and tries to engage a siege of Kiev? No, we're not, Tony. We're, we're not going to see troops in the Ukraine or in the air over the Ukraine from the United States because Ukraine is not, as you probably know, is not currently in NATO. But what we are doing, and I do agree with, is we're, we, and we're doing it a little bit too late, we're putting some of our, redistributing some of our troops in Europe to protect our NATO allies, and that is in the best interest of the United States. We saw that in World War II, what happens when Europe is uh, unstable. But no, we will not, I would not support putting ground troops or people in the air over the Ukraine. The Ukrainians can defend themselves, but we told the, pre the, the administration months and months ago that when they were building up, the Russians were building up, if we wanted to help the Ukrainian people, we needed to get NATO uh, uh, together with the United States and get them the things that they need. I don't know if you remember during the Obama administration when the Russians took over Crimea, President Obama authorized blankets and things to go to the Ukrainians. Well, that's not what they need. They needed uh, lethal weapons to defend themselves. And now we're doing that. We're trying to get those in there to help them, but it's uh, too uh, really a, a too little too late. And that's disappointing. The president got into a conversation that I think people were surprised by. He started discussing how we should not defund the police. We should be funding the police, something that amongst Democratic circles is now controversial because the progressive wing of the party, which could very well be the entirety of the party, uh, doesn't believe in this in, in the slightest. When he starts talking about things like that, you're sitting there, you're, you're, you're watching the, the, the speech happen live, you've got your 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 coworkers, if you will, uh, surrounding you. Does that ring hollow? Is it like as if somehow it's something he says, but he knows it's not where the party is? 
it does ring hollow because that's not what they're doing across the country. And that's not what they're doing in the cities, uh, the Democrats. That's not what progressive prosecutors are doing by letting criminals back out on the street. And let me just say this. When he said that, almost, almost everyone, members of con- almost all members of Congress stood and applauded, except I was right down the way from Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib. They sat on their hands. So the progressive wing of the party doesn't agree with the president. What the president was doing on a national stage is following the polling. They know that they're getting creamed on this politically, and the president's willing to say that, but they're, 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 wor- they're words only. Action-wise, uh, their party does not believe in law enforcement right now, and honestly, um, they're getting creamed politically, and they should be, because the American people don't feel safe in their communities. Which is, of course, the problem. It's Congressman Larry Bouchon of the 8th District of Indiana. Senator Todd Young scheduled to be with us. Continue this breakdown of the State of the Union, how they saw it. They were in the room. And the governor of Indiana has a bill to sign. Those stories, they're coming up. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.